Just a heads up before we start, in this episode we talk about suicide. So if that's something you really don't want to deal with right now, feel free to totally come back to this episode when you feel up to it. You don't hurt my feelings. Also, uh, you can call 1-800-273-8255 24 hours a day and make sure to take care of yourselves. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, I was going to say, and then they just basically started like recording all of them, didn't they? And then, like like you say, in 2000, they just did so, like all those live albums all in one go. <laughs> yeah. So it's like... You know, okay. Um, <laughs> I just remember being in the shop and seeing, like, in the Pearl Jam section, just all, because they all had, like, the same kind of, like, artwork, didn't they? Of, like, just kind of, they just had the, 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 the venue and the date on them. If I, I mean, I'm, were they, like, all kind of in brown, like, brown, like, squares on the CDs? Like, they just all look like they're in, like, cardboard packaging or? Yeah, it was, um, like, uh, with, like, yeah. a stamp on it. They kind of designed it off of the uh, Who Live at Leeds uh, album. Yeah sort of thing. Oh, I remember seeing like a, a stack of those all there and <laughs> being like, what is this? <laughs> like, what go- like, what is going on? Why, why all of a sudden does the Pearl Jam section have like, you know, 80 albums in instead of like the five or six that I knew at the time. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I just kind of remember that. But when you said you're doing this, I was thinking, is he going to cover every single one of those live albums? <laughs> <laughs> Even if you did that album by album, that would still take you about three months to get through them. So no, yeah, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's above and beyond yeah. my uh, the scope that I was going for. <laughs> Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Better Band Podcast, hosted by Brandon Palomo. An all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. This is Brandon, and today's episode is all about Jeremy, the third single released from 10 uh, that came out in Europe in September 27th, 1992, available uh, just through there until it came out in the U.S., June 27th, 1995. It was the, uh, not to be confused with the more expensive, identical import version, and my guest today is Darren Husted. That's how you say your name, right? Yes, it is, yes. Okay, good. I should have... Uh, uh... Clear that up before we started talking. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Um, so, Darren, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Uh, I mean, I would say for me, probably, um, I don't know, kind of, you know, the, the summer of 92, kind of as grunge got big. You know, I remember, you know, obviously hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, you know, uh, I think also uh, Jesus Christ Pose and, uh, you know, like a couple of other songs by various grunge bands around that time. And obviously, I think that, you know, the thing that sold Jeremy was the video. You know, I, I'm sure I remember seeing that. Um, I think we got we got MTV in like um, late, late 93. And, you know, this was kind of this and like Black Hole Sun, I think, were like two of the videos that were kind of in heavy rotation at the time um, on MTV. Uh, and also, you know, smells like Teen Spirit. But I feel like, you know, that video kind of got a bit played out by the time by the time we'd got uh, we got MTV. But 
I, you know, I distinctly remember kind of seeing the video for Jeremy and, you know, obviously it got a lot of radio playing like 1992. Uh, I don't know that it did. I don't know how well it did on the charts over here. I can't say I can recall that, but I, I certainly remember, um, you know, being, uh, I don't know how old would I have been in, in around that time, kind of around 14, 15. So I feel like kind of the angst of grunge was kind of perfect for like a, you know, for kind of, you know, mid teens, um, you know, yeah. and, you know, the kind of, you know, the kind of anger or whatever that, you know, Eddie Vedder was expressing in his voice, I feel is probably, you know, an accurate reflection of what my teenage years probably, I think maybe, you know, in my own mind probably were, but I, I don't think I was ever as angsty as anything, you know, that any grunge band ever put out. Uh, but you know, a lot of my friends were, you know, kind of big, big Nirvana fans, certainly. Uh, and I know a few of them, I think Pearl Jam did some of the festivals over here around at that time. And I remember them going to see, you know, Pearl Jam and, uh, and Soundgarden and various other people kind of, um, at those festivals. Um, you know, we never had like Lollapalooza or whatever come over here. So, uh, but you know, we certainly have plenty of festivals in the UK and I, I certainly remember, yeah. you know, some of my friends being, you know, kind of big fans of grunge personally at the time I was like a huge Prince fan. So, um, you know, in, in like 92, 93, I was mostly listening to, you know, Prince. Uh, but I do, I do kind of recall, you know, how big grunge was at the time. Um, and it wasn't for me, it wasn't really until, you know, uh, kind of the late nineties when, you know, I had a job and I had money and I was able to buy albums. And then I kind of went back and I bought, um, you know, the first few Pearl Jam albums, you know, the, the first couple of Soundgarden albums, uh, you know, the first couple of Stone Temple Pilot albums. And then kind of, I don't know, really weirdly about like, you know, five, six years after this was kind of when I really kind of started to get into grunge and stuff. So, uh, but I do, re I do remember kind of how big it was at the time. It's kind of um, like those, those kind of, the summers are like 91, 92. It's kind of unforgettable how big grunge was at the time. Yeah. Cause that was a, uh, what sign of the times and cream or diamonds of pearls era. Prince? Yes, Diamonds and Pearls was ninety ninety one. That was kind of that was kind of what got me into Prince. Was uh, well, actually, Get Off was the was the song that got me into Prince, uh, yeah. which was which was kind of like that was my summer of ninety one. Like everyone else was going crazy for like uh, you know Pearl Jam and Nirvana and what have you, and I was I was just listening to Prince. So, <laughs> so was like, yeah, um, twenty three yeah. positions in <laughs> one night stand. Yeah, so so yeah, I, I, I that, that's that's the funny thing is I would you know it would have been nice if one of the, if like any grunge band had kind of covered Prince that would have that would have like sealed the deal for me. But uh, yeah, I, at the time I was you know kind of you know mostly into Prince, so it wasn't until later on that I kind of went back and um, you know particularly I think uh, Soundgarden like uh, you know uh, uh, and Temple of the Dog like that was kind mm -hmm. of how I, I ended up kind of getting back into kind of grunge and then you know basically went and bought all the kind of you know, the main albums by, uh, by the kind of big bands from, from the early nineties. Yeah. And I was going to say, you don't sound like an American. Where, where are you from, Darren? <laughs> I accuse thee, j'accuse. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm from, I'm from a, 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 you know, a city called Wolverhampton, uh, which is in the, the Midlands, uh, in, in the UK, uh, or more specifically in the Midlands of England. Um, so, oh. uh, yeah, which I, I guess uh, the, the funny thing is as well, thinking back to that kind of the time period of when grunge got really big, there was also kind of like, um, I don't know, it was kind of the end of like the whole Manchester scene. So oh, yeah. there was still stuff coming out from like Stone Roses and, you know, those those kind of bands. Um, and it was kind of just before Britpop, you know, so, you know, Blur had Oasis released and a couple Blur of and... Yeah, Pulp had released a couple of albums, but, you know, Oasis didn't release their first album until, like, 94. So there was there's this weird kind of period from, like, kind of the end of the 80s to the kind of mid-90s where certainly over here the music scene wasn't that 
kind of unified like there was you know there was boy bands and there was you know there was kind of I don't know, Kylie Minogue was huge. She's still huge now, but, you know, she was, you know, really big in the kind of early 90s. So there's there's kind of like, I don't know, I wouldn't say that grunge was kind of, it was seen as something kind of other over here. It was like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's kind of exotic because it's, you know, from Seattle and, you know, people drink coffee over there. And, you know, like, (laughs) like it's kind of, it was kind of different. Um, But I, you know, certainly among, you know, like I say, most of my friends, like grunge was kind of like the big thing, um, you know, in our kind of early teenage years. But probably probably not quite as big as it was in America. You know, I know that Nirvana only ever did like one or two performances over here on Top of the Pops. So, they, you know, they were fairly big, but, you know, maybe not as big as uh, some of the kind of British acts at the time. Yeah. Um, so this song uh, revolves pretty much or was inspired by a uh, a an actual Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Deal from Richardson, Texas, who... Uh, killed himself in front of his class on uh, January 8th, 1991. Does that sort of seem like a foreign and alien concept to to uh, an Englishman such as yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say the funny thing about, like, um, you know, uh, shootings and whatever is in this country there have been, I don't know, in, in my lifetime maybe, let's say, three or four, significant shootings and that's pretty much it like you know you can kind of remember on you know kind of count on one hand the amount of kind of incidents that there've been um and i would even say in america you know like kind of the incident of you know this the kind of the the jeremy thing was i I don't know i wouldn't say unique but it was fairly i know fairly unusual i would say at the time uh obviously tragically since then I, i think it's become less unusual yeah um but uh, yeah, you know, like the, that incident kind of, I mean, rather famously, there was a, a I think it was a Dunblane. I can't remember. I think it was a shooting. There was a, a guy had like modified uh, some kind of shotgun and he shot some school children. And after that, pretty much all handguns in this country were banned. Um, and, and then there was like another shooting like a, a couple of years later. And then, you know, all like more, even more guns were banned, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like each shooting in this country leads to something being banned. Um, you know, whereas it feels like the opposite is true in America. <laughs> I yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's it's a big sort of uh, like oh wait, everybody sort of waits and looks and it's like is something gonna happen what's gonna happen is this uh and then nothing and so like okay i guess we can all release our collective breaths and going back to being you know upset or uh happy that nothing has really gotten done yeah i, I think it's unusual as well that, like the story of uh you know jeremy dell is that he basically just killed himself and that was it like like he, yeah. he like he, he didn't go in and kill a bunch of his classmates he just literally pulled out a gun and killed himself before anybody could do anything and that was that was just that was it that it's not it's not like a school shooting in the sense of you know um anything kind of post columbine it's it's just one single incident of a person essentially just committing suicide in front of a class um mm-hmm. you know, which i feel kind of i don't know it makes the songs you know kind of a bit more tragic because you know uh like if it was about someone killing a bunch of people and then killing themselves, I don't think you have any sympathy for that person. But, you know, if it is about this person who, um, you know, is kind of being bullied and then decides to kill themselves, 
you know, as the only kind of course of action, I think, you know, it makes the song a lot more tragic, um, you know, and obviously in, in the lyrics, you, you know, obviously Eddie Vedder tries to figure out, you know, what, what the kind of cause of, of the shooting, you know, of the suicide was, um, you know, which, which I think is probably one of the kind of more interesting, like, I think, you know, people have this kind of idea of what grunge music is and how, you know, it's about a bunch of kind of like depressed marble mouth singers. And <laughs> I think it's all, it's always been something like more interesting than that. Um, you know, particularly when you think of something like Soundgarden, they, they did a, like a song that was called like, you know, Big Gun, which was like essentially like a kind of Mickey take of like, um, you know, like hair metal bands and stuff. You know, like there was a mm-hmm. kind of self, there was a kind of self-awareness and, you know, a kind of, a, particularly with, you know, some of the Pearl Jam stuff, like a kind of introspection that had kind of been missing from kind of, you know, rock music for, you know, a decade. Um, you know, it's, it's all well and good people with big hair singing that they're not going to take it. But, you know, <laughs> mo- most of what they're taking is just drugs. So, <laughs> you know, and being, and being told you can't take those drugs. Like the, rebe- the rebellion of, of kind of like the hair metal bands always felt a little shallow. Whereas I think kind of the thing that drew me a lot of the times to kind of grunge acts was the kind of depth of what they're talking about. Um, and I think, you know, this song is like a really good example of, um, you know, kind of someone like Eddie Vedder kind of taking the idea of trying to figure out the motivation be- behind this incident and turning it into like a, a really compelling song. Yeah. The, um, recently the, um, the mother of, uh, of Jeremy, um, had an interview uh had an interview on television where she was uh talking about sort of her son and everything and saying you know it's like that's not his life you know that's not where his life ended it's 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 you know something more than that which you know of course it is and so i don't know you kind of get a, a more a morbid uh sense of reality i think now nowadays when you start thinking about things like uh things that are actual people's lives and not just you know it's like oh that was just a tv show or you know it's like oh that's just a podcast about you know uh, a serial killer who you know killed somebody or something like that it's like no you know there's actual uh, uh victims and people behind the stories and everything like that and it just kind of gives it a, a another dimension to it than just the regular you know, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of art and it doesn't have any real connection to the real world besides what your connection to it is. Yeah. I mean, it always kind of reminded me a little bit of the, uh, Boomtown Rats. I don't like Mondays. Like it always always felt like it's kind of like, obviously they're from like completely different positions and, you know, they're completely different styles of music. Sort of. I mean, Boomtown Rats, I guess you could say are a little bit kind of grungy, um, you know, because they're kind of, kind of punk based. Um, but like the kind of the idea of, you know, the kind of dissatisfaction of youth kind of manifesting itself in either, you know, suicidal or kind of homicidal actions, uh, just seems like kind of, it doesn't seem like an immediate subject for like a pop song or even in this case, like for a single, this is, that's the kind of thing that kind of is so interesting as well is it's not just like Jeremy's like a, you know, an album track. Um, yeah. you know, this, this was a single with a music video that got kind of like a lot of play on MTV and everything. Like it, it wasn't like Pearl Jam kind of hid this on the album. Like this got like a lot of kind of, you know, publicity and kind of play. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so weird that like, you know, if I was thinking about like songs on, on an album that are suitable for, you know, airplay, I wouldn't think the song about the kid who killed himself in front of his class would be like the immediate choice. 
Um, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, Eddie Vedder kind of, and the rest of the band, obviously, you know, in terms of like, what, what is the next single going to be for them to be like, oh, well, let's release Jeremy as a single. <laughs> it's just such, it's such a kind of, it's such a kind of bold move for them to make. Yeah, this is also, I, I think, one of the more, al- one of the most alternative, you know, quote unquote sounding songs on that album. It's completely sort of like a bass guitar based song where it's a bass riff and it's not really like a guitar chord song. It's, it's, it's just this weird sort of not really funk per se, but just like a weird, it, it just, it doesn't sound like a lot of rock and roll music does that you know that would be a single that you would play on the radio or something and for some reason it just came out and everybody latched onto it and i th- i think that does probably have more to do with the uh the lyrics and the story and and probably more also the video and the impact that it had yeah i mean i think as well like the way that jeff Ament is playing the bass like kind of those harmonics that he's hitting um, you know, which does kind of recall like kind of funk bassists, like kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of like Vincent Collins or, you know, Larry Graham, like the yeah. way that they would kind of play. Uh, it does like, you know, it is an unusual kind of way to start the song and it, and it just kind of does give it this very unusual sound. Um, and, and yeah, you know, like it, the, the, it doesn't really have like, um, you know, like obviously it's got guitars and everything on there, but it doesn't have kind of a structure in the kind of conventional way in terms of like its musicality. Yeah, like chords and chord changes. It's just, you know, little riff here and there. And then, you know, you go at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's worth saying as well that Eddie's vocals on this are great. Like, you know, the the way that he sings certain lines, uh, uh, you know, like it, it, it really kind of sells the story. Um, you know, particularly like when he says something like, you know, he hits him with a surprise mm-hmm. left, like just, just the way he, like the kind of the, the kind of the syncopation on that line and the way he hits certain words. Uh, I don't know. It's just got stuff that like that kind of stands out in the song for me. Um, you know, like kind of, and you're right. It kind of, it, you know, obviously it tells a story. Um, you know, and I, I guess obviously, you know, if the mother has disputed the fact that, you know, the whole kind of, uh, I don't know, daddy didn't give attention to the fact that mommy didn't care. Like I'm guessing, that's probably what she yeah, didn't yeah. agree with in the song in terms of like the narrative, uh, you know, that's kind of, um, you know, kind of pushed by the song. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think, I think like kind of the, the fact that like Jeff Ament kind of, you know, starts out with this kind of this interesting bass and then you have the, the kind of the way that Eddie sings the lyrics. I think those are kind of the two kind of things that make it really memorable. Yeah. And, and plus to the, um, as they were talking about, uh, the real Jeremy, he, uh was a really good artist he uh won some awards some local awards and stuff for his art when he was like uh seven to like 12 or something like that he had like he had they they showed it on the uh on the interview on the television show that you can like look up online and stuff about the uh the stuff he drew and it's like it's like wow it's like you drew that as a seven-year-old and and i think I, i don't know if it's like one of those sort of you know not necessarily tortured artist, but you know, you, you seek an artistic outlet for, you know, something that you can't really let out that you're holding inside. And I wonder if that all sort of bled together. And, you know, I, I think, you know, as, as, as a parent, you don't want to think those things about your kid. You just want to, you know, have your happy little kid that you remember from when they were a baby or whatever, and hold on to that and not really 
get too deep into what they really were maybe as a person or something. Yeah. I find it interesting as well in the song that the perspective switches. So you, you have the opening where it's kind of almost, uh, I don't know, like a narrator kind of telling you what, mm-hmm. what Jeremy does, um, you know, talking about, you know, at home drawing pictures. And then when it gets to the kind of the middle of the song, it's almost switched to, you know, the position of like a bully, you know, when he's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clearly I remember picking on the boy. Like, so it's interesting that it starts out almost kind of, you know, talking about Jeremy and, you know, even the kind of, uh, you know, the, the chorus is, you know, it's kind of talking about King Jeremy ruled, you know, the wicked ruled his world. So like there's, there's that kind of, the, you know, the pre-chorus of that and, you know, the whole, the fact that he says Jeremy spoke in class today as well, rather than saying Jeremy shot himself in that, you know, like, yeah. I, I, again, that kind of, that use of metaphor is quite interesting as well. Um, but then the fact that it switches to the point of view of the bully for like, you know, at least half the song before it kind of goes back to the chorus again. You know, I, I, I don't know. I find that interesting that that's how, um, you know, that's how, uh, you know, Eddie cho- chose to kind of tell the story is to, to almost kind of give you a little bit of Jeremy at the beginning and then kind of put it from the perspective of like a classmate, uh, you know, who, who, who kind of admits to being a bully as well. That's, that's another interesting kind of way of yeah. phrasing it as well. It's like, oh, you know, he's not just saying, oh, I remember Jeremy as being, you know, you know, I don't know, introverted or kind of sad or whatever. He's actually saying I was, I was someone who bullied him. <laughs> it's like, you know, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I were... Those people don't tend to speak out for some reason. I yeah, don't know yeah. Why. So, so, it's, so it's interesting because you know, I, I don't, I don't think that you know Eddie Vedder is is writing it from the point of view of the bully to kind of get sympathy. Yeah. I think he's just he's just kind of looking for an explanation. Yeah. You know of. Of, of of like maybe this is this is the reason like not saying this is definitely the reason yeah, yeah. you know he, he has you know this it isn't because he was bullied that that's the reason but maybe this is this is something that contributed to it or you know but it might be, it might have nothing to do with that you know the the fact that he has in the pre-chorus where he's saying you know daddy didn't give affection like it, it's it feels like the, the the narrator of the song is trying to put, put put it somewhere else rather than just on the bullying but then from the bully's point of view it's almost like he's trying to put himself into the story and almost say, look, I was, I bullied this kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe this is my fault. I don't know. You know, like, so it's almost like trying to take responsibility and also shift blame all at the same time. Yeah. I think that's, you know, whenever anybody ends their life, there's always like a sort of, you know, well, why, you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing if, you know, somebody's old and, and they've had problems or something like that. Like I'm thinking of, uh, of Hunter S. Thompson. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, he was getting older and he did a whole bunch of drugs and he was just, you know, not really having much more life, you know, left. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, I guess now is as good a time as any or something like that. And it's not that it's any less tragic, but it's kind of more understandable than if, you know, somebody's a kid and you're like, you know, why you got, you know, your whole life ahead of you. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I was happy and I had fun and, and friends and everything like that. And it's, it's really just an unspoken sort of suffering that people go through that they can't really get past. And I mean, and, and if you have a gun, you know, in your house, that's, you know, there, that it's, it's kind of, you know, I know at least in the United States, it like triples your chance of, of committing suicide. If it, just the availability of having a gun in your house, you're kind of like, Oh, well, you know, I guess it's here. It's, 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 it's impulsive, you know, it's not something that you have to like, okay, well, I guess I got to go to the store and get a gun and get money and then do all that. It's like, uh, meh, maybe not. Maybe I'll, you know, 
give it another chance. I'll get a chance to have a chance to get over it or whatever. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, I like, I, I don't know. I, I find like kind of, uh, I don't, there's some, it, like the, the whole kind of opening of the, you know, uh, lemon yellow sun. Like, I, I don't know. There's some like really kind of, uh, kind of poetic turns of phrase, uh, that kind of is used to paint the picture. And then this whole kind of like, uh, I don't know, a, a lyric that I, I guess for years I kind of couldn't quite figure out what he was saying. But when he's like, we unleashed a lion, like just the way that Eddie Vedder sings it, it's kind mm-hmm. of, sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly what he said there. And then the whole kind of like gnashed his teeth and bit the recessed lady's breast. Um, you know, like just the kind of the way that he, he, like some of these lines kind of run into each other. Sometimes it's a little hard to figure out exactly what he said. But uh, I don't know. I, I I just kind of I just kind of love the kind of the 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 delivery of of like the the, the verses, particularly when it shifts to the bully's point of view. Because I just I just I just like how kind of nakedly it's like yeah. you know yeah I picked on him and it's like you know <laughs> you know but he punched me like <laughs> you know like like kind of the justification of like yeah you yeah, know yeah. I, like I remember picking on him and he but he punched me he fought back like it wasn't like he was. You know, um, he, he wasn't harmless. You know, that's that's how he's painted at first. But then he's like, no, no, he wasn't. He hit me. You know, like so. I, I find that kind of interesting. Like this justification of like, yeah, I bullied him, but he fought back. So therefore, it's not bullying anymore. It's you know, it's a fight. <laughs> you know, you're in a fight now. You're not you're not just being bullied. Um, even if he's the person who started it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you know, just kind of the whole. I don't know, like the the whole King Jeremy the the wicked. Like it's just such a it's such a great kind of turn of phrase. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uncommon, I guess, words you'd you'd find in or language you'd find in than in other pop music and stuff that it's really brings out the the poeticness of 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 this band and it's like not speaking down to you, I guess, if you're if you're younger and you're listening to this when it's when it's coming out and everything. And I think also uh, in addition to that, it all like the whole Jeremy Spoken class today. Uh, you know, and also the, the way that Eddie sings, it's slight, like the, when he's like, the chorus is just that, that line repeated, but you know, when, when he gets later on into the, the song and he's like the whole Jeremy spoke in, spoke in, like it, the way he emphasizes the words slightly differently each time he sings it. And, you know, like it, it's not just him repeating the line the same way each time he, he sings it a different way, you know, a slightly different way each, each time he, he sings it again. Um, and then obviously when, you know, towards the end when you've got, like you say, the kind of the hoo-hoos. Um, at the end, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think also not only like, is it not speaking down to kind of like teenagers, uh, or, you know, who, like whoever was kind of listening to the song. Um, but it, I think if you, if you are a teenager, you could kind of relate to it. You know, you can think to yourself, well, maybe there is like some, some kid in class who, you know, maybe you've seen someone pick on and you know, maybe, maybe you've yeah, got, in, yeah. you've got in a fight with someone who bullied you or like, it feels like there's stuff in here that. Um, you know, is kind of very relatable for kind of teenagers. They probably recognize the scenario. And so it's not, it's not just like a bully admitting that he bullied this kid. Um, it, it's, it's kind of painting the picture of, oh yeah, you know, like this, this stuff happens in schools, you know, kids, kids get bullied. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a thing that happens. And I think most teenagers can kind of relate to, um, you know, maybe when they're younger being bullied and maybe when they're older, maybe being the bully, like it's, it's something that kind of has, it has something there for kind of you know teenagers of all ages, and you know whether you are the the bullied or the the bully, you know you can kind of relate to what he's singing about. Yeah, for me, when I I, I remember back when this song was was out and just everywhere I couldn't escape it, you know MTV and the radio and everything, and I got burnt out on this 
and then they started playing it different in concert. Did you did you hear that uh, that other version of it that I I sent you? Yeah, yeah, the kind of like slowed down, slightly rephrased version, isn't it? Where they it's like the emphasis is on different words, basically than the than the normal version, and the the kind of the the lines are kind of stretched. Yeah, out it's it's more. it's more I guess like yeah. deconstructed than the uh, the uh, the original version. It's got. It, it feels like it has more guitar, but it's you know pretty much like the same guitar parts just played, I think more often or whatever, like laying more of a bed down than having the uh, the bass be the backbone of the song. But they, uh, I think they call that new Jeremy or no Jeremy, and I, I think they don't even like have the he doesn't sing the chorus at all in it. It's all just the uh, the verses and stuff, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically the emphasis is not on the whole, you know, Jeremy spoken class today. It's on it's on the it's on the verses, isn't it? Like the emphasis is more about mm-hmm. kind of stretching out the verses and kind of expanding on those rather than uh, emphasizing the the very catchy chorus. I must say, like you know, the the phrase Jeremy spoken class today is very catchy, and <laughs> I can understand why you kind of got burnt out on it because yeah, it was played everywhere when it was a hit. Yeah, and it's a you know it's got it after the first verse, got it after the second verse, and there's no third verse. It's just you know like two or three times as long at the uh, at the end of the song, and it's just kind of like okay, okay, I get it. But you know they start playing it a little a little <laughs> bit differently, and it's like oh yeah, okay, yeah, this song's kind of good. And I think they did that for a couple of years, and then they kind of went back to playing it the 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 original way, and you're kind of like oh yeah, get get some time away from it, and you're like okay, yeah. I like this song. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. It's not everywhere, and you're not drowning in it anymore. Yeah, uh, I, I I guess I get. I think that's you know that's something that's kind of a true of a, like a lot of the kind of you know the grunge songs when they were big. You know, Black Hole Sun. Uh, you know, spells like Teen Spirit. Um, I guess maybe Plush from Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm. Possibly you know Jeremy and maybe Alive. You know, like when they were big they were played everywhere and it was constant and you could literally could not i mean mtv was playing you know um smells like teen spirit video like 20 times a day like you just couldn't yeah yeah um yeah you know like i guess you have to have a few years away from it to kind of you know not be so burnt out on it and you know i guess hearing like a slightly different version of it is, is a good way to kind of get away from you know the song but then also you know when you go back to it you can kind of uh, you know, remember what it is that made the song so good. Yeah, that's what I like about this. I get to to go back to the uh, to the songs of my youth and relive it, and now I'll be like, oh, those young whippersnappers, yeah, get off my lawn. You don't have music like I used to back in the day. I mean, I would argue. I would. I was going to say, I'd argue that yeah, you know, like uh, I, I don't know. There's a very specific window where grunge was like really big, from like uh, I don't know. I'd say like '91 through to about '94, and then after that, I think other things kind of took over. Yeah, and then rap and other sort of just R and B and pop and stuff like that was was like okay, we're back. Yeah, this is that's enough. <laughs> I think you'd have to have a very specific childhood to just remember grunge. Like you'd li- like there's literally a few years where you could be young and uh, and grunge was like a big part of your childhood. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. I think that's all. That's 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 all we got for this song. Unless there's anything else you need to uh, to get out there. I mean, I just wanted to say as well. Obviously, the video is is kind of amazing for this. You know, uh, yeah. You know the uh, the like the Mark Pellington video. Uh, obviously, Mark Pellington's directed a, you know a few things since since being a video director. 
but I think, I can't remember if it was this or the next video that he did for them, but he basically retired from doing music videos because of the impact of this video. And he was just like, I don't want, I don't want to do music videos yeah, yeah. ever again. Um, and, it, you know, interestingly enough, like the kid who plays Jeremy was a, was a kid called Trevor Wilson. Um, and he, you know, mm-hmm. he, he died at age 36 in a drowning accident in 2016. It's kind of yeah. crazy that like the kid who's in Jeremy is no longer alive, but, you know all of Pearl Jam are <laughs> like uh, you know it, it, just, it just feels like that kid should be a... are, you, are you saying there's some kind of a foul play no, I, I just I just think that you know it's kind of unusual that like the band of kind of like 20 somethings who are older than the kid that's in the video are still alive but the kid's not no, alive yeah, yeah. and obviously you know it won it won a bunch of awards um, you know and it was nominated for a bunch of I think it was nominated for a Grammy or something wasn't it the song so it's I, 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 we're all, all justified because it's you know it's like it's a, it was a really great video like I said a little bit overplayed you know like on all the time same as kind of smells like tin spirit and other stuff from the time but um, you know still kind of like a, a you know a really good video and one that doesn't get too explicit either you know there's like you know there's kind of quick cuts so you don't so you think you see something but you don't see it mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think kind of the artfulness of the video is probably one of the reasons why you know it had such an impact yeah and, and they you know edit out the f-bomb in the uh, in the video but you know that's <laughs> they do yeah <laughs> i think that was probably like one of the first songs that i heard you know fuck in and i was like oh my gosh what oh whoa, I'm, oh the, you can do that whoa you're gonna get in trouble man uh yeah i mean prince had a song called sexy mf like a year after this <laughs> so, oh yeah so in terms of like a prince fan <laughs> you know I, I was more than acquainted with with you know that word being in the stuff <laughs> multiple multiple times yeah you 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 seem to talk about prince a lot is 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 there something that you'd like to uh to plug before we uh before we end the show today uh yeah i have a podcast unsurprisingly uh about prince called uh called prince track by track uh you know you can find that on itunes and everywhere else that podcasts are available uh we're on facebook as prince track by track and uh and also we i i, I don't know how but i managed to get prince podcast as twitter so i i I don't know what i'm I'm sure there were other people that probably should have got that before me but i managed to get it so uh you know i'm going to stick with that handle because it's uh fairly memorable and and how many times has anil dash been on your podcast uh zero times so far um (laughs) what i know that's an outrage i know um but uh yeah no i'm you know i've had a lot of other very good uh kind of recurring guests come come back many times to kind of talk about different uh different prince albums uh, and you know, I'm kind of, by the time I get to May, 2019, you know, the thing will be over and I will have covered all of Prince's tracks. So, you know, all of Prince's tracks that he released while he's alive, I should emphasize, because obviously he has an extensive vault yes. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep that podcast going for the rest of my life, covering everything that they uncover from the vault. <laughs> so I'm drawing a line under, you know, everything that was released while Prince was alive. And that's, that's where I finish up, you know, that's, that's what the podcast will be covering. Okay, and 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 uh, maybe if I say this real quick and quietly, by coming on this podcast, you uh, absolve me of all legal recourse for ripping off your idea and doing this podcast. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, people get inspired by by things, and you know, they they do their own thing. So I got no problem with that. Woohoo! All right. Well, thanks again, Darren, for coming on. Um, was was there anything else that you your social networks or anything? Your other podcasts that people can uh, can binge on now that uh, uh, now that they've been introduced to you, if they've I, I never mean, heard of you I, before. I was going to say I have like a, at least another four or five podcasts, but it, I think it would take way too long just to sit here promoting them all. So uh, I, if if they if they look on the the Prince podcast Twitter handle, they'll they'll see other retweets of stuff that I've done. So. Yes, 
It's 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 up to you now, folks. Darren's uh, uh he's he's well past his ten thousand hours, so get on it. Well, thank uh thanks again for for coming on. Uh, no problem. This is thanks it. very much for having me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music is owned by their respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from ShoutEngine.com slash the Better Band Podcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am on Twitter at BrandENP. And you can send your emails to BetterBandPod at gmail.com and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Darren Husted. And as always, this is Brandon saying, I want you to say to yourself, I deserve this. I love it. I am nature's greatest miracle.